Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Sienna Hoppy, and I'm currently serving on Student Senate as the Chair of Religious Affairs. Um, and so I'm just here today to um, talk to you about a project that Religious Affairs has been working on this semester. Um, so we've developed a carpool spreadsheet uh, for people who are looking for a ride to church services um, throughout the week, especially for Sunday mornings. And so I'm going to be sending out an email after chapel today that will have a link to the editable spreadsheet. If you or someone you know is looking for a ride to church, we'd love for them to put um, their Bethany email in there, and then they can make connections with other people on that spreadsheet to find a ride to church. Uh, and also, if you have an extra seat in your car and are willing to provide a ride to someone else, you can also put your name down so other people can contact you. So Student Senate is not the one, not the group giving rides to people necessarily, um, but this is kind of a platform for people to make connections with other people who are going to the same church service. Uh, and so um, be watching for that email today, and then there will also be QR codes around campus by the end of this week um, with access to that spreadsheet as well. So thank you. Today we use the office of Prime, and uh, please join me on page 108 for the versicles, uh, the Gloria Patri, and Confession of Sin. Page 108 in the front part of your hymnary. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault in thought, word, and deed. For the sake of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, forgive me all my sin, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen.
scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the book of the prophet Hosea, the 13th chapter, and then verse 14. And God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. may be seated. If you were to go to the city of Florence, Italy, you would see the large dome, second largest dome in the world, that uh, is built there in their church known as Santa Maria del Fiore, the Florence Cathedral, beautiful dome designed by Brunelleschi back in the uh, 1300s, 1400s. Construction for the dome started in 1296, and it ended in 1436. Now think of that, 140 years of building a church, 140 years. Uh, one of the reasons that people at the time wanted the building process to be so delayed wasn't simply because of materials or money or things like that, but one of the reasons that they delayed it for generations was because of the Black Plague. The Black Plague was prevalent in Europe at the time and coming down into Italy, and people thought that if we can delay the building of a church, God certainly won't let the plague touch us while we're building a church to him. And so that actually played into why people wanted the construction of this dome to take so long. Plagues were a reality uh, back in those days, and the Black Plague cost Europe, they estimate, one-third of its population. Just think of that, one-third of its population. Just in this room, think what that would mean, how many would be gone from us. The Italian journalist of that time, a man by the name of Angelo, Angelo de Tua, writes this. Father abandoned child, wife abandoned husband. This illness seemed to strike through breath and sight. <laughs> it's like you could get it just by looking at somebody. None could be found to bury the dead for money or friendship. Great pits were dug and piled with the dead. And then he writes, I buried my five children with my own hands. Plague is not a word that we use even with the coronavirus that's going around right now, as bad as that can be and as much death as that has caused. Plague is still not a word that's being used for that for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons is that what we're seeing with the death that's going on in our world today is still not close to what a real plague would be like. And yet, the characteristics of a plague are around us and among us. It's just a lot slower and in a more extended way. But if you go to hospitals, if you go to nursing homes, if you go to funeral homes and go out into cemeteries, if you start counting up how many people pass away every year, death is certainly all around us in the same way that the plagues maybe brought that into a more intense concentration at times. But really, it's still, we're still living in a plague in that sense, if you think of it that way. And having to confront the reality of that, especially when we're young, can be kind of intimidating. And don't think that because we're young that that is something we're immune to. It's been about every eight or 10 years that a Bethany student or a very recent graduate has died in a variety of different ways. 
Now Hosea, the prophet who's writing six or 700 years or so before the time of Christ, is a prophet to the northern tribes of Israel and he's been proclaiming to them the coming devastation that's gonna fall upon them because of their apostasy, their falling away from God. And he wants to address this unbelief. And he's continually throughout his prophecy calling people back to repentance and still holds out to them this wonderful hope that we see and have in the gospel. But in the middle of that prophecy, we have this wonderful statement from God to his church. And it's the reason I selected this text for this week. This week, if you notice in the readings and hymns and things, it's, it's how God is speaking to his believers in this world, his church, and how he is with them and, and desires to stand for them and be with them. And listen to the text again. He says to his church, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And then he speaks directly to death, to the plague. He says, O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. It's almost like a loving dad watching his little boy being bullied on a playground by some bigger kids. And finally he decides to step in and to take some action. And the bully now has to deal with this larger adult man. And he is much larger and much stronger. And he's basically saying to the bullies, do not get in my way. And he has just wrath for these enemies of his church and his believers. And he's basically saying for us, the members of his church, whoever tries to get in the way to hurt you or to intimidate you, they're going to have to deal with me. That's what your God puts out in front of us for us to know and to hold on to. Notice that death and the grave are not merely our enemies and, uh, or just the enemies of Christ's church, but they are the enemies of Christ himself. They're the enemies of the Lord of life himself. God once said to his people through the prophet Zechariah, uh, whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. That's a, that's a cool statement, isn't it? That God says to you as one of his believers, whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. And so Christ himself now turns on death with a vengeance. And on behalf of his church, he now stares death down with all of his supremacy and all of his authority. And he basically says, you have no right to lay your hands on my faithful. Leave them alone. Deal with me. And he even goes so boldly to say this to death, pity is hidden from my eyes. Now, when it comes to how God deals with us, his faithful, he has tons of pity for us through the merits of Christ. But when he talks to our enemies, the enemies of his church, he says, pity is hidden from my eyes. When Saul, or St. Paul before, before being called Paul, when he was going about persecuting Christians, Christ confronted him on the road to Damascus, and he said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say my church. He didn't say my faithful. He identifies so closely with you as one of his believers that he says, why are you persecuting me? And St. Paul speaks the words of Christ to our graves when he says, O grave, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what this does for us as Christians, even when we're in our teens or early 20s, is it allows us to go through life with an amazing confidence, with an amazing boldness about life. You have the ultimate safety net from God himself that nothing can take you away from him. 
Nothing can defeat him. And Satan can pull out the greatest weapon in his arsenal, and yet it is still nothing to Christ. And Satan's greatest weapon against you is nothing against you when you are with Christ. Cling to him. Amen. Please join me in the responsory on page 108. Page 108. And let us rise. O Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us. O Lord Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy upon us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. O Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us. Arise, O Christ, and help us, and divulge for your name's sake. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, bright Son of the world, shine upon my spirit and drive away the night of sin, that I may walk in your holy light all my life and even forevermore. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people and kindle in them the fire of your love. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people and kindle in them the fire of your love. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord Almighty order this day and all our doings in his peace. Amen.